What's up, y'all? It's Amara Baptist and Shabazz Khan. Social on the sidelines presented by Front Office Sports back for our 19th episode presented by Team Infographics. What do they do, Amara? They create all your digital content needs and they're amazing. And you can find them on Twitter at Team Infographs or teaminfographics.com. Indeed. So in this episode, we're actually not going to have a guest on. We're going back to basics, back to the original social on the sidelines. If any of y'all listened to the first episode, it's kind of like going to be similar to that, except not because we're going to talk about some more serious topics that people probably don't talk about as much when it comes to social media. What are those topics, Amara? Yeah. I mean, I think when people think about social media, they don't really think about the potential negative side effects of working in this field. So we're going to talk about that. Um, we, I know we both kind of have struggled with anxiety in the past and present. So we're also going to touch on that and then see where the conversation goes. Cool. Well, let's get into it. I mean, like you said, especially when it comes to social media and sports, it's obviously a, a great job. It's the best job that I think either of us could ask for. It's our dream jobs. But that said, much like everything else, you can't have all positives without having any negatives. And I would take our job over any job 10 times out of 10 yep. every single time. But that being said, I do want to talk about some of the negatives, especially um, working in our field. You do take a lot of the brunt of conversations, right? It's it seems more often than not, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when I first started out, you know, especially when I was in the Timberwolves first uh in twenty fourteen as an intern, my first uh position in sports and in social uh for a sports team. And we won I wanna say seventeen games that season. So Oof. the conversations weren't necessarily that positive, right? There was excitement around the team, but it wasn't like positivity springing everywhere and then i went to sacramento where you know they much like the timberwolves at the time had a history of losing and so there's a bunch of different stuff going on over there and really when you're working as the voice of the organization online you're taking the brunt of every conversation um and how do you personally deal with that um i'll, I'll hit on how i do as well but i want to hear you know, when you when you have those negative moments, when the team's on a losing streak, when those comments are directed at you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, it's really tough. I'm, you know, it sounds kind of like, oh, well, you know, poor, poor us, blah, blah, blah. But like, it really does take a toll on you. Like last year with the Grizzlies, obviously, it was a tough season. And I really, you know, my first year with the Grizz, they made the playoffs. Um, it was, you know, Mark was an all star. It was, you know, pretty positive conversation around the team. Um, and then, you know, injuries happen, et cetera, and kind of just went downhill fast. And I wasn't really prepared for that because I didn't really, you know, we lost some games, but it's not, you know, a consistent losing streak. And I think the the thing with social media is it feels a lot uh, bigger than I think it really is. I, obviously, it's huge thing. Everybody's on there, but it feels like everyone in the world is telling you that you're awful and taking their frustrations out on you because we're so invested and so involved. Um, and literally like our job is to read the comments and make sure, you know, what the feedback is so we can tell our bosses, you know, hold ourselves accountable. And I have to tell you, there was a point 
in last season, um, I think it was like an 18-game losing streak. And I was really, really upset. It really affected my quality of life because you wake up, you know, and you're like, okay, today's going to be better. You look at the comments. It's just so negative. You know, people are taking out, you know, their rightful frustration. I get it. You know, they, they're frustrated with losing and et cetera, et cetera. But you're the easiest thing for them to yell at. Um, and then, you know, you're trying to do, you know, do well in your job, but the creativity is super hindered. I think the Kings, I've told you this before, but you guys did a great job at the Kings, uh, even when you're losing to kind of, you know, make content that's engaging and, you know, you know, kind of self-deprecating. But sometimes you can't do that because there's an expectation that you're going to be at a certain point and then you don't hit that. So you really have to be careful how you're representing yourself. So you're trying to be creative. You're trying to do good at your job. You're trying to please all these people. You're trying to make the organization look good in light of, you know, whatever may be going on. And it really does take a toll. And to answer your question, sorry about that rant. Um, no, that's what we're here for. I really didn't deal with it well. Like in retrospect, um, I kind of just stopped doing the things that made me happy, like working out or reading or meditating. I kind of just stopped doing that and let it kind of just really control my life. So how I handle stuff like that now, I make time for myself. I'll go to the gym, sweat. Exercise always makes me feel better. Um, you have to know when to, when to plug a take. What is, what am I trying to say? Well, <laughs> you have to know when unplug. to put the phone unplug. Yes. Hello. Um, you have to know when to put the phone down and, and maybe don't read the mentions at a certain point after 8 PM or whatever. Um, so, you know, I think it's a learning process. You kind of learn what makes you happy and how to get yourself out of those ruts, but it is tough. It's really tough. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you're saying resonated with me for the first several years of my career, just because much like you, it's one thing, I think it's multifaceted because there's one part of you, you work for the team, and so obviously you want them to succeed, right? And then things don't go according to plan, and that takes a toll by itself, right? That's just like, you, you're working for this team, you want them to succeed, it doesn't happen, you're a little bit sad there. And then you hop online onto looking at the mentions, interacting with fans, you're trying to cr come up with creative things. And I'll, I'll say even, you know, in my time with the Kings, we did some stuff that was amazing. I was, I'm still to this day so proud of what we did in Sacramento, but a lot of those ideas are shut down, um, not internally, but from a fan perspective because of the negativity that's out there. So that, like you said, it kind of hinders some of the creativity and some of the ideas that you're willing to execute. And really makes me double think. So I think more than anything, it was a good thing for for me to to go through that because it allowed me to take a step back and realize, okay, you're never going to please everybody. Yeah. What can you do that showcases, uh, you know, the the spirit of the team, but also the fan sentiment. Um, and so trying to overlap those two things is a very difficult thing, and I think that's why. Um, the job is difficult, um, but also why it's fun. It, it's a thing that seems easy from an outside perspective that, again, we talk about this all the time, but you guys just tweet, you guys just Facebook, you guys just take photos, et cetera. But there's really a bunch of strategy that goes into what we're doing. And a lot of that comes through what we're seeing in the mentions, what we're seeing 
from media members, what we're seeing from the team itself. And so, especially when you first get started out, I'd caution when you first get started out, I'd caution against taking anything too personal because me personally, I think I did that a lot. And that impacts, like you said, your mindset, your work, your personal health, your, your mental health. Um, and really, I think, you know, as we start to talk about some of the anxiety, I, I think that's where some of it stem from because you're always looking to make a hit per se, I guess, on what you're doing when it comes to your work. And when, when things aren't going right on the court, um or sentiments not going according to plan it's a lot more difficult to do that and it impacts you even more when you're putting in extra effort to combat the negativity that's going on on the court or the losing that's going on and to combat the the fan sentiment that's not positive and when you're trying you're putting yourself out there with new ideas with your social squad um and they're just not working you know it, it does take a toll because i i think the unique thing about sports as we've talked about many times is the amount that you're working, you really have to love what you do. Mm -hmm. And when you're spending all of your time, for the most part, uh, your personal time working, um, a, a lot goes into your ideas, a lot goes into your work. And when that's not working or when the fan sentiment is really negative for, like you said, an 18 game losing streak, however long that is, probably a month or so longer, you really have to find a way to, to break out of a slump mentally too. Yeah, because you get tired as well. Yeah, I definitely think your point about not taking things too personally is super important. Um, and it's it sounds silly, but it's I actually there's this one lady I don't know her name, but she's the sweetest. She comments on every single Trailblazers post, and she's like, "I'm so excited to watch basketball tonight, win or lose. You know, I love my team." And it's so refreshing because there's so many comments that, you know, I mean. They're trolls. Like half these people aren't even fans of the team. They just literally go on Instagram to just troll, put L's because I don't know, they, they don't have anything else to do. But I think for me, the, the thing that's so, um, inspiring, um, are comments like that fan that, you know, ride or die appreciates the work that you put in, you know, knows the situation and, still supports the team no matter what like that's what we do this for we we root for the guys on the court because they're good people and we want them to win and to have fans you know we do it for the fans right we do it for the fans the guys on the court organization and it's it's definitely a tough job but like you said there's there's so many positives that of course you have to have a few negatives in there otherwise it'd be you know unreal Right. I, I think that the funny thing about what you just said, um, there's there's definitely some very, very positive people. And I think with the there there are negative folks that. When I look at it, for example, let me backtrack a little bit. There was a fan that literally, I think, had two or three burner accounts. And I found this out later, but literally their only tweets were at our account. Um, just continually berating not the team but social right and it was a really weird thing to experience and quite honestly when you see something like that and you're pouring so much into the thought of what you're doing it really makes you take a step back and, and think about how mentally draining sometimes it is to read some of that stuff yeah 
um even though even though you know it's a troll even though you know the overwhelming majority and the stats that you're looking at and the analytics don't necessarily back that up it's kind of shocking to see it and so when you multiply that by you know a thousand especially after you lose and like you said there's fans that aren't fans of your team but fans of the game commenting or fans of another team commenting when you think about it from our perspective ours the social media coordinators that are reading every comment after a game and posting everything um it really does impact you and i can say myself for sure i've been in a place where quite honestly i've i was depressed and like you said i i've struggled with anxiety not solely due to one of these two things but it doesn't necessarily help to read those all the time for sure and so putting yourself in a place where you're able to separate those as much as possible and focus like you said on on a lot of the positive positive comments and the positivity that's out there um it helps a lot and i think more than anything it's it's super important to to know who you're working with and and trust them i think uh my time in sacramento and now in minnesota too obviously dealing with uh, the trade situation here and um in sacramento dealing with the seasons that we had the the amount of time you spend with your coworkers is so insane. You probably see them more than your coworker, your uh, family. Yeah. Um. So, you just need to know to trust them. Um. On if you're having, you know, some internal struggles or you're having some creativity issues, go to them. Um, totally. And and trust each other. And I think that was the big thing for me. Um. I had a great team in Sacramento. Um. Shout out to Jason and and Andrew and Kyle Ramos over there that allowed me to um you know be real with them when something was going on yeah absolutely that's a great point and i think also knowing as you know now that you're um what's your title again senior manager senior manager of digital content okay yeah so now that you're in a manager <laughs> position i'm in a manager position i think it's important too, to take these things into consideration for people in manager director positions that, you know, maybe aren't uh, doing the, the grunt work every day to understand that this does take a toll and to be, you know, conscious that maybe sometimes the coordinator or the person that's, you know, constantly engulfed in just this place of social media Maybe they need a break or maybe they need a day off or maybe, you know, they're acting different. Just to, to be aware of that, I think, is also really important when you're, when you're hiring interns or hiring, you know, coordinators, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think recently we've been talking about commentary a lot and how that impacts things. But in general, like, like you said, the, the job itself and knowing that people do need a day off in this industry, um, that with the amount that we work, we just have to be mindful. Um, you know, I, I know I try to keep my team uh, not working every game, which is new for me because I come from a place where I've worked 82 games for the last four years. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a place where with our, with our social team, I'm making sure that we have two people working every game um, in addition to an intern, but that allows one person to take a game off. So tonight, um, you know, this is a game that I was able to kind of remove myself. That doesn't mean that I'm not online. That doesn't mean I'm not looking at everything. Of course, that still comes with the, the territory, but you're not bogged down as much. I was able to get some groceries today. Like I, I was saying to Fernie earlier and I was texting you about it too, but 
getting groceries on a game day it's like unheard Unhe- of, yeah right? it's unheard like, of literally like i li- i literally looked at fern i was like yo i'm really getting i literally said these words <laughs> i was like yo i'm really getting groceries uh during a game night like this is insane and sometimes you know those those, those little things um they allow you to refresh totally uh, especially during a super long season yeah so i think we've we both ranted yes <laughs> a lot sorry. especially me social on the um, sidelines no you know what? I'm not sorry, social on the sidelines. Oh. I had to get it off my chest and I did it. <laughs> I did it. Now, um, we talked about the anxiety part, hit a little bit on that and how you mitigated those struggles, but also what led to those and, and how do you prevent yourself from falling back into that as much? Yeah, I think I've pretty much been a like anxious worry wart my entire life. Um, my, my mom and my grandma, we all joke, but you know, that's kind of like passed down. That was the trait that's really prominent is that we worry about everybody. We want to please everybody. And that's just how it is. So I've kind of always dealt with that. Um, since I was little, I'm also a huge perfectionist, which is a huge part of anxiety and, you know, kind of anxiety is what happens when you are so worried about being perfect all the time. And wanting to please everybody. So I kind of just, that's like my normal. I kind of just always, I'm really hard on myself, which that's my uh, new year goal is to give myself more grace. And, uh, you know, it's really easy, like you said, to, and especially in our line of work to do something, it doesn't hit or it, you know, it goes over poorly and immediately your self-worth is like those comments, right? You know, you're like, ah, I failed, you know, this is the worst. And, and I, you know, what am I doing? I, blah, 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 and it's a spiral. So I am consciously trying to be nicer to myself and to not let myself think those things. And that in turn, I think eases anxiety about things I can't control. Worrying about things that you control can control, I think is normal. I think everybody does that, but it's the stuff that you can't control like, you know, losing or, you know, things that are going on in the organization or whatever it may be. So again, I combat that. I try um, another goal. (laughs) We'll see. We'll check back in and see if I've been doing this, but um, is using Headspace every night, which I have not been doing. um, But I definitely have found that it really centers me. So that's a goal. Headspace, shout out Headspace. I love you. Um exercising regularly and just taking care of yourself. Like you said, groceries. I mean, I got groceries tonight too. And just the fact that I have like healthy food in my refrigerator, now I'm going to make better choices and I'm going to feel better. And that's going to make my anxiety go down. So I think just taking care of yourself and trying to do things that, you know, keep you positive and keep you happy. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but again, a rant. No, it. <laughs> You don't, you don't need to apologize to me, I promise. Um, <laughs> yeah, when, it does answer my question. Um, and I, I would say it's a lot of the same for me. Um, I, I come from a place where, much like you, I was always worrying about things that were out of my control. I remember the, the night that we traded, or the Kings traded DeMarcus Cousins. I was in New Orleans. I, I was with you. You were with me. You were with me that day. Um, no, we had zero clue that was happening. We thought 
that was the last thing on earth. Like we were hyping up Boogie. I remember our last tweet um was like hyping up Boogie and then he didn't even play in the All-Star game. And then he got traded. And that night was just like one of the many things that was a perfect example of my anxiety. Like I freaked out so much and there was nothing I could do. It's not like I'm the GM, right? And yeah. um I, I, I reflected on it and I, I thought about our our job. It that's the unique thing about sports. You never know what's gonna happen tomorrow, right? Like our Corey Brewer had a fifty one point game one time when I was working. Mo Williams had a fifty two point game. Demarcus Cousins got traded after the All Star game and as much as that negative thing that I wasn't expecting happened, and it was only negative because I wasn't expecting it, that was out of my control. And so I also thought about the things that were out of my control that were positive, like those crazy games I was talking about um, or making the playoffs for the first time last year. And that just comes with the territory and trying to think about it that way. Um, and like you said, leaning on headspace a lot, leaning on the fact that um, I had a strong support group and I have a ton of other stuff um, that I was trying to keep myself busy with like working out or learning something new um, or taking a class helped out a lot. Um, but you need to have those things. Otherwise that's going to consume you. Um, and I can say for sure in this field, it's happened a couple of times where I'll over freak out or my anxiety will hit all sorts of highs where I literally can't get out of bed Yeah, because of it. And again, all of these different tools, there, there's not a one-stop shop for mental health, right? Like you need to, you need to know that you can depend on the resources you have and seek out resources when you need them. And I think especially for young people and especially for people in this industry, we kind of just shake it off because there's a game the next day or we're young, so we'll grow out of it. That's that's not how mental health works, right? It doesn't care if you're rich or you're poor, if you're old or you're young, or if you have the coolest job in the world or you don't. Like you, you got to figure it out. And so, um, using those resources, seeking out people, um, getting guidance is essential. Yeah, that's my rant. I know. I was just gonna say, you know, a lot of um, organizations now, uh, insurances do cover, you know, therapy or counseling, and there is no you know, shame in getting there, going to therapy or talking to someone. I think now, you know, with like Kevin Love coming out and um, a lot of other people saying I actively asked for help. I think that's so brave for athletes who, like you said, are just, you know, I'm strong. You know, I scored 35, you know, I'm rich. I don't need any of that. Mental health does not discriminate. So definitely look into my advice would be look into your insurance at your job and see if you know if you feel like you need to reach out to somebody do it because just having that outlet that's not a family friend a family or friend is super helpful and there's there's absolutely no shame in asking for help yeah absolutely so i recently on a similar note a, a quote that i thought about when it comes to things out of your control I was listening to this podcast. It's coincidentally, it kind of has a weird name. It's called Knowledge for Men. <laughs> um, but it was with 
uh, a, one of my favorite writers, Ryan Holiday, and the name of the episode was How to Accept and Overcome the Challenges of Life. And Ryan Holiday was essentially saying, um, I, I don't remember the exact quote word for word, but it was along the lines of uh, when things are out of your control, you you can't control them. You can only control how you react to them. Um, and so that was super profound to me because I never really thought about it right, like that, right? Like something happens and you think about why it happened or how it happened or how to stop it from happening next. And the way to think about it properly, I think, would be controlling about how I react to that situation yeah. rather than the reasons why it happened or how to prevent it from happening next time. Totally. So I don't know. I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Also, podcasts are a great tool. Um, I listen to a ton of podcasts and like Oprah's podcast is the bomb. I love listening to other people and their, you know, life struggles. I think it's ignorant to look at somebody and think their life is perfect. So just I have so much respect for people that talk about how they're really feeling because I think we go through a lot of days, at least, you know, I've caught myself asking people how they're doing and not really listening, you know, to their response. Oh, you know, the, the answer is, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. It's all good. And if you actually push and, you know, say, are you really okay? I think not only will you build, you know, better connections with people, but maybe that person really needed needed you. I don't know where that got real deep. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. No, I mean, this is this is the deep episode. <laughs> we're, we're going into the deepest thoughts of Omar and Shabazz's head. Uh, <laughs> okay, so as we come close to wrapping up this deep thoughts episode, uh, talk about it doesn't have to be a mental struggle, but just the biggest struggle you've had in your career. Um, since working in the NBA and it could be a mental one if you want to talk about that, but I'll leave mm. it to you and, and how you overcame that. Oh man, that's tough. Um, I think for me, I'm still working on it is like I said, um, trying to please everybody and expecting, I really liked what you said about every post being a hit. I, I think that's unrealistic. Truly. I think sometimes, you know, just a, a post is a post and it doesn't need to break the internet. It doesn't need to go viral. And so much of our, actually, no, I take that back. My biggest struggle since working in social media has been those. So obviously our jobs are based on likes, retweets, comments, whatever. So that sometimes carries over to my personal life, which I really don't like. And say like I'm on Instagram and I post a photo my brain immediately goes to how many people like this? You know, this is, you know, this isn't performing well. And I think there's so much like, that's really stressful in itself because you're already judging yourself on the work that you're doing for work. And then when it goes over to your personal life, when you really just want to be posting photos because it's your life and you want to show people, you know, what you are outside of work, that's been a struggle for me. So I'm, currently trying to overcome that not being so hard on myself and basing my worth on you know comments and likes on social media for sure that's an interesting one i, w I wouldn't have i wouldn't have thought about that i mean obviously there's more struggles but you know that's the one that 
It was off the top of my head. What about you? Hmm. I asked the question. I didn't even have an answer ready. I'm trash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> me, well, let me think. Big struggle. Okay. Honestly, it was probably the switch um, from Sacramento back to, to Minnesota. I mean, like you said, there's a, a lot of different strategies and um, ways that I went about the job that's different than um, I'm currently doing and, and things that I didn't necessarily have as much hands-on experience in. And so kind of learning a lot of those things um, on the fly and then also switching strategies, it's it's one of the things that's unique about our jobs and one of the things that I pride myself on and and going from Minneapolis to Sacramento the first time and, and being able to to implement a new strategy in Sacramento um, was something that I thought was a lot of fun and something that I look forward to. But then coming back um, after some of the stuff that we were able to do in Sacramento, and I, I think it was internal pressure for myself to try to live up to a standard that I, everything that we were doing needed to be humorous and then taking a step back pretty much two days in and realizing that, okay, you're not in Sacramento anymore, right? Yeah. Like there's a completely different organizational tone. There's a completely different organizational voice. Stuff has shifted since the time you were here in 2014. It's not the same team. It's not the same management. Um, you know, it's not the same business executives. So how do we leverage the things that I do have in a way that's different that I, that I've been used to for the last three years and, and still do a job that I'm proud of doing. And I, I think that's something that, um, in the jobs that we're in, it, it's changing every day. Quite honestly, I, I, I think it's an everlasting struggle, just, uh, always keeping up to date, um, and switching strategies on the fly if need be. Um, but it's also something that I look forward to the most because like I said, every day is different when it comes to the job yeah. and it allows me to grow. Um, it allows me to, to learn about myself and, you know, my management style, see what's working, see what's not, and, and hopefully come back better the next day. Um, so. Yeah. That's a really good point. That was another rant. No, it was good. Another rant from your boy. That's important on a side note. That's important for people uh, switching, switching jobs or trying to get into, you know, a, an organization that already has kind of its tone and voice set. Um, that's really important because I think some people would walk into it and say, well, this is how my voice is. And I'm just going to make that this brand. And like you said, you know, all places are different and you can't have that attitude. You really need to be flexible and adjust to, uh, the tone of that account or that brand it's a good point uh, yeah absolutely i think that was the biggest thing for me and and continues and will always be the biggest thing for for anybody we hire um in, in this position and even you know moving on for for anyone who's listening if you're moving on to another place you coming into a social team brings a unique perspective. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to bring a unique voice. The the strategy for the tone and the voice is likely already there. And it's embedded in the history of the team. It's embedded with the people you work with. It's embedded with um you know the the organizational desires. And our job is to 
you know, tread the waters, push the envelope with those crafted tone and, and voices. And then if the time comes um, where you're able to put in a place to be put in a place to challenge those tone and voices and see if that's something you can change, do it. Um, but it's not always going to be the case. And I think for me, it was a combination of the two. I didn't necessarily get to write my own tone and voice for what I, I saw as the vision of the organization, but I also didn't sit back and go, you know, bit by bit by everything that was laid out. It was a combination of me meeting with our, our GM and our basketball ops team and then talking to our business team and our, our CEO and some of our executives and showing what I thought we could tweak and um, how we could mutually benefit from shifting tones a little bit or shifting our voice a little bit rather than completely changing it over. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Totally agree. I I, I hope that was uh, not too much ranting for everyone who's listening here. If there's anything you I, guys want to hear us talk about, like, <laughs> I don't know, like wine, maybe. Do you drink? You don't drink. Never mind. No, I don't. no wine. We'll have CJ McCollum on to talk about wine. No, you, you, you can feel free. I would love to hear your wine story, despite me not drinking. That's fine. Just let us know. Tweet us. I, I'm just the designated driver of social on the sidelines. <laughs> the responsible driver here. Uh, any other thoughts? No. Um, we tried to do this mental health episode. And um, obviously talking about some of the, the topics is sensitive at times. And, you know, we we don't want to impose by any means and and act as if we're professionals and what we're saying is the right mental health advice. But that being said, we hope it was insightful and uh, hopefully people enjoyed it. If not, um, you know, we're going to be back to our normal programming the next time you hear the podcast and we'll have somebody else on. But maybe every uh, 15 or 20 episodes, it'll just be Amara and I talking. And next time it'll be less serious and less deep and just us um, talking about social. And roasting each other like old times. Like old times. Ah, TBT. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the 19th episode of Social on the Sidelines presented by Front Office Sports. Episodes are brought to you by who, Amara? Team Infographics. I am going to rip my ears off. <laughs> All righty. Go Wolves. Don't go, go Blazers. Go Let's go. Oh my, God. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you okay? Is everything okay there? Yes. What did you have in your food today? <laughs> what, what, what kind of groceries did you get, Amara? Tell the listeners okay. while you scream. So I, got, I went to Trader Joe's. Shout out Trader Joe's. No, you got to sing it. You started singing it. I so went just, to Trader well just Joe's. Shout out to Trader Joe's. <laughs> chicken and brussels sprouts okay that's it that's it no i got a lot of stuff but i can't sing all of it oh well then you're not talented enough to be a musician you should never sing again that's true okay goodbye thanks for listening friends yo 
wow, I was going to rap our way out, but now you- You're going to rap? Broken up. No, I was going to. Hey, go. I actually- No, it's too late now. It's not- It's never too late. Next time. Go ahead. The 20th episode is when I rap. If you guys want to hear me rap, it'll be the 20th episode because I just found my high school mixtape rapping oh, with my friends. Oh, no, you didn't. I still think it's fire. Fern heard it too. And even even though she usually roasts me, she said it was fire. So maybe your boy might come out with a mixtape like Iman Shumpert and uh, Marvin Bagley. True story. There's a mixtape out there. Just nobody will ever find it. If somebody finds my mixtape, I will give you... I don't know what I'll give you. Just um, and tell a me million what you want. Dollars? Of Monopoly money, yes. Fair. Okay, go find Boz's I will mixtape. Give, I, will, I will give you $10. I will Venmo you $10 if you find my mixtape. You heard it here first. You won't find it. But... All right. Well, Talk to you guys next episode. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Talk to you guys next episode. <laughs> See ya.